tonight we're going to be um, we're going to be opening up the book of Micah, and it's a little minor prophet in the back of the Old Testament. Amen. And so I'm going to be reading from the message, and I think it's going to be up there. Hopefully, yes. You know, the, the Lord challenged me this year to read from a different version. I'm so, you know, we get so um, accustomed to reading from the same version of our Bible. We're very comfortable and we feel safe with it, you know. And, and the Lord challenged me to read a different version this year so that I would, I would not be so comfortable with the words. And so that it would challenge me to memorize it that way and to give me a different perspective of that scripture that maybe I just had ingrained in my head and I wasn't taking anything more from it. But God inspired, you know, this 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 message to be um, given um, to us. And so we're going to read from this. And so um, you can put it in your, in your Bible, but I want you to, to read from it with me tonight. And so we're just going to read. I better look at my notes. We're just going to read um, Micah 4, 13 right now. If you can turn to 13 for me back there. Micah 4, 13. And so this is a strong message. This is a message that God was speaking to um, Jerusalem, to, to his people. And um, right now is a time when a lot of prophets were going around. There was, there was not just Micah, but it was Isaiah. There was other prophets during this time. And this was a turbulent time for the children of Israel. And so God gives this message to Micah, and actually a lot of this uh, message are the same as in Isaiah. It's interesting because it's not like they're copying one another, but they, God was giving the same word. And how many times do we know that sometimes it's not God is just forgets, but he has to repeat it to us because sometimes we're, you know, we're a little thick and, and in the head, and we, and we need to be reminded of his word. And so Micah was bringing a, remi- a remembrance of this word that was going to his people. And so we're going to read verse 13, and it says, On your feet, daughter of Zion, be threshed of chaff. Try saying that three times. Be refined of dross. I'm remaking you into a people invincible. Into God's juggernaut. I like that word. To crush the godless peoples. We're going to stop right there. I am remaking you into a people Invincible. That's a strong word. Invincible. Invincible is incapable of being conquered. Somebody that is not able to be defeated or subdued. Somebody's not able to be brought down. Unyielding. Somebody that is not going to yield to to things in this life, to the to the weight of this life. Somebody that it cannot be overcome or mastered, cannot be conquered in combat or war. That's a strong word. He's remaking us into somebody invincible. When I read that word, it reminds me that right now we're not at that place. We're not in this place where we're not defeated. We feel maybe defeated. We feel like we have been pushed down by the weight of this world. I was reading this, this story, and, and she, this lady was talking. It was really funny. And women, we could probably relate to it or maybe not or whatever, but... Um, she was talking about that she had received a compliment. Somebody had given her a compliment on, on what she looked like, and she went home, and she was feeling good. You know, she was feeling strong. She was looking in the mirror like, yeah, I do look like that, that celebrity. And, and she felt so bold that she called up a trainer, and she went to the gym that day, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to get those abs, and I'm going to get that body to be just like her. And, and so she went to uh, the gym, and they started putting her through the whole, you know, uh, training session, and she was like, 
wait a second. I'm not as strong as I thought. And she was like, they're like, okay, what, how many pounds can you lift? And she's like, oh, I can be like 40. And for women, that's a lot, okay? Guys, you guys are like, oh. But for women, that's a lot, okay? And so she's like, I can do 40. And he's like, let's start you at four. And he, she was like, four? She was like, come on. And so she starts at four, and she can't do it. And she realized she's not doing it right. This whole time she thought she was like, bend, you know, doing the whatever, curls, Okay, I know you guys are giving me dirty looks about all, I don't know all the terminology, but she was, she was doing it wrong. And finally at the end, the guy goes, you know what, let me, let me, let me tell you my evaluation of you, ma'am. And he goes, let's, let's, or let's, before we do that, let's test your body weight. And she does her body weight and she was like, have you ever been to a gym? Has anybody ever done this? And they grab, you grab hold of that little thing and it tells you your fun body weight. Yeah, so, so she, she grabs hold of it, and it's like 35%, and she's like, no way, and so her son happens to be with her, she's like, you grab onto it, and he grabs on it, and it's like eight, and she's like, do it again, and so they do it like three times, and it comes out the same, and so finally at the end, the guy goes, you know what, my evaluation is, you're skinny fat. You're skinny, and you look good, but you're not able to bear any weight. You're really not healthy. You've been doing it wrong this whole time. You thought you were all in shape. You look good on the outside. But the reality is you're skinny fat. And so she, she goes on to, to tell this story is that a lot of times as Christians, we can't bear any weight. When life gets difficult, that weight throws us down. We're shot to the ground. When things are not going our way, we, 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 we feel that weight, and it crushes us. It overcomes us. It destroys us for some of us. Some of us, sometimes, you know, we, don't, we, we see it within the, within the church body. Something takes place. And, and right now, I believe we're in a time and a place in our, in our city, in our culture, in our nation, where we need to be more than just look good on the outside. We need to be strong on the inside. We need to be invincible within our spirit. Because let me tell you, church, we're in a time right now where our faith is being tested. Are we going to crumble under the weight Right now in the city of Anaheim, in our city, the city that we call our home, if you, if you live here or you work here or whatever, God is, God is, is, is being put to this place. And you know what? We're going to have to stand as believers. We're going to need to know who our God is, what we believe, what we stand for, what we, what, what we have been taught, what, what comes up in our spirit. And so Micah right now is dealing with the children of Israel, and he's saying, I need, I need to let you know, right now you're not in a place where you're invincible. Right now you're in a place where you're going to be taken into captivity. But I'm going to remake you. So I went back to that scripture, but I want to go forward. But I want you to think about when was the last time you felt invincible? You know, I look at my children, and I think, man, they think they can do it all. Part of it's pastor and, and, and my fault. We, 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 pretty, we pretty much tell them, there's nothing that you cannot do. We build in them so, uh, confidence. <laughs> I used to, we used to laugh because he's not in here, right? Little Joaquin slept with us in our bed until he was, like, okay, kid you not, nine years old, okay? 
nine years old. That kid did not, and he would kick down the door, and are, are, am I lying, Justine? Right? And he, or he would knock on the door, and he would be like, who is it? Every night. And he'd go, Joaquin Garcia. <laughs> and I think one place I read is like, was that kids who sleep with their, their parents become very confident <laughs> kids. My goodness, that kid has confidence. <laughs> but it, anyways, but confidence. And you see that he has, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have that in his head that he's going to be defeated. He doesn't have that in his head that he cannot do and accomplish. But he has that invincibility. And sometimes we lose that, that sense of invincibility when we grow up. Because somebody tells us we can't or something comes into our life and that weight crushes us. That weight that we're trying to bear and trying to do on our own, it, it brings us down. And so we lose that sense that we can overcome or we can do all things invincibility. I want you to think when was the last time, and you know what, as I was preparing this message, you know, I, I, I had to stop and think about where I've been, you know, even within last year. It's been since June of 2016 that I've even given a message in here, and that's a long time. I, last year was a year that I felt like I lost a lot. Losing is not easy. We don't like to talk about losing. <laughs> we like to talk about the invincibility. We like to talk about the, the strength, the winning, the overcoming. But we have to talk about losing, too. We have to talk about things that, that, are, that are make us uncomfortable, that hurt us, things that we have to experience in our lives. Because if we don't, then we're not being real. And a lot of times people get uncomfortable with sometimes when I share because they think, oh, my goodness, you say, like, everything or you're really real or you say too much. But you know what? I, I, this is where God has me in my life and in my ministry is that I have to be honest and real because I feel that if I come up here and put a, put a picture of somebody that has never gone through anything or does not still continue to go through anything, then it's not reachable. It's not tangible. It's not, it's not something that you can relate to. I share because it's, I, I want you to know that what God can do in a life. And you, so, you, you know, we don't talk about losing. It hurts to lose. I see people work so hard at things and then to lose, it breaks my heart. I feel uncomfortable. Have you ever watched those, those um, shows or when you watch those reality shows? I don't like to watch them because it makes me uncomfortable. And they go up there and they're like, they worked all this time to sing for everybody. And they go up there and you're like, it wasn't that good, you know, or, or you know that they're not going to make it, or, or you see people in, in the Olympics, and they've worked their whole lives to get to this point. Every four years it happens, and they work so hard, and they lose, they come short. It hurts. It makes you uncomfortable. You know, I, this year I lost, I felt like, last year, excuse me, I felt like I had lost a lot. I felt like I had lost relationships. I had lost things that were very close to me. And ultimately, you know, I, I had lost. I had lost pop. And I can't sit here and say that. That I didn't question God. No. 
it's so personal and it's so close to my heart. I mean, that, that, that day will forever be in my, my mind and in my memory. Grieving is hard. Losing is hard. I didn't really fully understand until it, it hit in my, in my house. When Pastor lost his mom, we had only been married three years. And I remember even um, maybe a year or two after he had lost his mom, I remember he didn't really cry because he had to be strong. And, and all of a sudden, all of those tears came flooding one day. And we were sitting in, in the parking in the driveway, and all of that came out. And it was his time to grieve. And sometimes we do it all in different seasons. But I had lost a lot. And I want to share this with you because through all of this, I allowed the enemy to take my voice. I lost my voice. I lost my message. I lost my hope. I lost my just wanting just to pursue God in, in the way that I had been in the past. And I felt like I had been so stagnant. And, and this was kind of like the final blow in my heart and in my life where it was just like, just stay down. You have every right. Just stay down. You know that God doesn't leave us alone. <laughs> Just like the children of Israel, that's how he sees us. We have been engrafted into his family. He sees us the same. We're his children. And so just like he never, he had that promise for Israel, he has that promise for us. And so in the midst of all of this, I remember on New Year's, I, I pastor sat and we talked and it was just us two. And he said, you know, what do you want for this year? You know, what do you want for yourself? What do you seem like you're unhappy? You seem like you're, you're just, you know, just, you're just not satisfied with life. And I said, no, you know what? I just want to be better. I want to be better in my life. I don't want to stay like this. I don't, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like feeling uh, like I, I'm walking around just like in a, in, a, in a fog, in a zone. And if you've ever have had that, those moments in your life where you're just walking through life, you're not really, you're not really there. You're just kind of you're in, a, in, a, in a fog. You're, you're just going through those, those motions in your life. You're, you're there, but you're not. And so I was tired of living that way. And I said, I just want to get better. I want to recover from this. I want to come back from this. I want to get up. I don't want to stay down. I don't want to stay stagnant. I don't want to stay the way I felt. I don't want to stay in the place where I'm continuing losing. And you know what I believe is when we're, you know how they say they kick you when you're down? That's how I felt like. Let's read Micah 4. Let's go back to the scripture. And so I, I share all this because it's going to come all into this message, but I want you to understand that, you know, what's interesting is that time, things, time changes, cultures change, but it's, this is, this is constant. People have gone through this thousands and thousands of years ago, and we're deal, still dealing with this today. And the same promise that was for them is for us today. That's why it's like, that's why there's power in the word. Because you know what? That promise is sure. That promise is true. That promise is unfailing. It never changes. And you know what? That brings me assurance. Because culture is going to change. Time is going to change. But this is gonna, something that I can hold on to. Right? And so it says in Micah 4, 9 through 13, it says, So why the doomsday hysterics? 
You still have a king, don't you? I'm reading through the message, so it's going to say something different. Um, but he's not but he's not doing his job, and you're panicked like a woman in labor. Well, go ahead, twist and scream, daughter of, daughter of Jerusalem. You are like a woman in childbirth. You'll soon be out of the city on your way and camping in the open countries, and then you'll arrive in Babylon. What you lost in Jerusalem will be found in Babylon. God will give you a new life again, and he will redeem you from your enemies. It's interesting because right here in this, all this one little passage, he's saying, you're panicking. You're looking to the wrong people. You're looking to somebody to bring you comfort, to say, you're going to lead me. You're going to direct me. You're going to show me the way out of this. And we get frustrated because they're they're not fulfilling what we want them to fulfill in our lives. And we panic because the answer is not there. And it says like a woman in labor. Now he went there. I was not very happy with that, but he went there. You know it was a man that wrote that, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. It gets crazy in that labor room, labor and delivery room. If you have never been in there or if you have, if you've experienced, it gets pretty crazy in there. Yeah. It's so crazy that Pastor on the, with what little Joaquin, literally, I'm not kidding, he almost passed out. He was like this close to, he was green, then white, and my mom was there, and they, and, and, and they go, Mr. Garcia, would you like to have a seat? And I'm like, would you like to have a seat? Wow. <laughs> I'm having a baby. <laughs> Eight-pound baby, too. Eight-pound, seven-ounce baby. Anyways. But you panic. It feels like it's never going to end. It feels like this is, this is going to be torture for the rest of your life. And, and I know that sometimes we get there and we're like, what was I wishing for? What did I want so badly? Oh, my goodness. Like, no one told me how bad this was going to be, you know. And, and I remember my sister-in-law before I had little Joaquin, um, pastor's um, sister, um, came to me. She goes, listen, everything that they told you is like minor compared. She literally said it's minor compared to the pain that you're going to feel. You're going to feel like every bone in your body has been broken. I'm like sitting there like, are you, is this girl serious? She was. And that's why I said epidural. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no. But it gets hysterical. It gets, it gets like panic. And he's saying, you're, you're in this pain. You're in this labor. And you're saying, this is, this is torture. This is so much that is going on. He said, but wait. Go ahead. Endure it. That's basically what he's saying. Go through it. Allow that pain to come in your life. Ouch, I don't even want to go there. Allow that pain in your life to come. Because the after, the promise, the child, the, 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 the blessing, it never goes away. Amen? How many? 18, I don't care what you say, but they, they, don't, they don't ever go away, right? But no, the blessing. And it's just for a moment. It seems like it's going to be forever. That labor, that pain, that turmoil, that, that, it, that, that crying, that whatever you go through, it's, it's for a moment. But the, listen, the blessing is forever. God says that the blessing, that the promise is forever, that it is for everlasting. Say, he, he doesn't give a promise and not fulfill it. 
So stay in it. Don't run from it. Don't try to avoid it. Don't try to, to numb yourself through it like Pastor has been sharing. Don't try to, to escape through other means. And sometimes we do that. We see pain coming and we're like dodging pain. Dodging grieving. Dodging that confrontation in our life that God is saying, I need you to walk through it. There's a purpose. There's a reason. I'm taking you through this because I'm going to do something in you. I'm going to be making you invincible through this pain. But as we see it, no one, I don't know anybody who wants pain. I don't know anybody who says, yeah, bring it on, baby. You know, I'm ready for that pain. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants pain. Nobody wants to go through turmoil. Nobody wants to go through those dark nights of the soul. Nobody wants to go through those sleepless nights when you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I have now come to that place where, like my mom used to say, I'm old enough now to understand. And now I can say, I'm old enough now to understand. Those times, those are those times that God does bring us out of. There is a morning that comes. There is a, the sun that rises. Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you, don't, you can't imagine it's going to get better, but it does. So God is saying right here to the children of Israel, I don't even know how much time I have. Six minutes. Wow. Six minutes. So you must leave. You're leaving this place of Jerusalem. You're leaving this where, and you're going into a place of captivity, into Babylon. It's interesting, but he says, but what you lost in Jerusalem will be found in Babylon. And why God was telling him that is this. Listen, you're going to be stripped of everything you have, including your false gods, and you're going to return to me. You lost your faith. You lost your trust. You lost your hope. You lost your comfort. But it's going to be returned into a place where it's discomforting, where it's not, it doesn't seem like it's possible. I was looking through my notes that I, I write, and Pastor knows I have several, probably hundreds of these all around the house. And I wrote somewhere, it, lo it looks like 2009. It says, man's extremity is God's opportunity. The most extreme times in our lives is God's opportunity. When everything seems shot out, when everything seems hopeless, when everything seems done and dust, God's like, there's my opportunity. The children of Israel will be taken from Jerusalem, their holy land, their, their city, their place where they, they loved. They knew that this was their place of worship into a place of Babylon. They were taken into a place of captivity, of uncertainty. Babylon was going to bring them awful things. But God was going to return them back because of his promise. They were going back. They were going there but God was going to do something in them. And sometimes God has to shake up our world. And let me tell you, a shake up in our world in the physical is because God is trying to shake something up in the spiritual. God's trying to shake something up in our spirit. God's trying to remove some things. Because when things are shaken, then you are able to see the root. When there's cracks in the, in the, in the soil, you could see what's down there. And so sometimes God allows shaking in our lives. Sometimes God allows pain in our lives because he wants to see what's at the root, what's at the core. 
Sometimes he has to say, I'll get you uncomfortable to make you invincible. And, you know, I see things, when I'm writing, I see things, and I see it as a battleground, a testing ground. My mom used to say it's a ground of testing. It says, we're, and, and I see it as almost like where God himself, he's in a battlefield. And I think of these, these you know, those scenes that we see in the movies, and it's an empty battlefield. And, we're, and two sides are on one side. And I feel like God calls us, comes in the middle of the battlefield, and he calls you out. It's your time of testing. This is your time. Sometimes we think it's, it's the enemy calling us out, but sometimes, a lot of times, God is saying, this is your time. This is your time of testing. I'm calling you out. Because nowhere in here does it say that God, it, that it was the Babylonians that were taking them into captivity. God was allowing them. It was saying, God was saying, I, you're, I ha- this is my approval. I am allowing you to go into this land of captivity. And so sometimes God is the one calling us out. And he's saying, I need to call you out. I need to see what's in you. I need to put you through this time of testing. I need to see what's in your heart. And in a battle, you don't have time to sleep, eat, or complain. It's time to, you have to be aware. And so sometimes God allows that because sometimes we've been too comfortable. We've been too sleepy. It's time to arise. It's time to get on our two feet. It's time to start moving. It's time to start worrying. And you know what? For me, God was like, okay, this, 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 this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to expose it. Are you going to bear the weight? Are you going to be put, be stronger than just the outward? God calls us out. Let's turn to Hebrews. I know I'm going to be, I'm done. I'm, I'm trying to. God calls us out as his sons, and this is what he, how he makes us invincible. Like I said, with my kids, we don't make it easy for them, but we also, we also learned how, as we got older, <laughs> to train up our children. They're not perfect. Everybody has seen crews. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. He said, I will give you... A tough one in the end, amen. I'm going to go to Hebrews 12, and I'm going to 4, 13, not 12, so I'm going to go to 4, 13. It says, you have not yet, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, as daughters. My son and my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by it. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as one of his sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? 
But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And several people gave me this without knowing this next part. Different women gave me this scripture. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. For that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Healed. Through all of that, and there's, I have more, but through all of that, go ahead, um, worship team, I I know it's time. The ultimate reason that God calls us out, the ultimate reason that God allows the pain, he allows the, the chastening, he allows the, the labor, he allows the turmoil, is so that we would be healed. In Micah 6, 9, it says, heed the rod and the one who appointed it. I love that. I think, I was, I think I'm going to put that on, a, on something, on a belt. Heed the, <laughs> it's good, huh? <laughs> I know, I sounded like, why have I never seen this? Heed the rod and the one who appointed it. He is our rod and our staff, it comforts us. The correction, the discipline, because he's yielding in us a, a peaceable fruit of righteousness, an invincible person, somebody who is not going to be weighed, broken by the weight that comes, that will come, that is inevitably going to come. Let's turn really quick back to Micah 4.12, back on the screen. If, you, if Just look with me. It says, but for now they are ganged up against you. Like I said, they kick you when you're down. Many godless people saying, kick her when she's down. Violate her. We want to see Zion grovel in the dirt. These blasphemers, I like this, have no idea what God is thinking and doing in this. They don't know that this is the making of God's people. That they are being wheat, they are wheat being threshed, gold being refined. They look at us. And maybe they see us down. They see us grieving. They see us in a place where, where, where we, where this is not us. And you know what? People come by and, and we wish that people would build us up and encourage us. But sometimes people just throw more, more, more stuff on us. Kick us when we're down. It's okay. It's okay. They add more salt to the wound, like, like they say. They have no idea. They have no idea what God is about to do. They have no idea what God is doing in this. In this pain, in this turmoil, in this trial. They have no idea what God is doing. Is that he is making God's people. 
that he is remaking us into people that are invincible, that he is making us into people that are strong, that are able to bear the weight, that are able to conquer and see beyond what is in front of us. when you're down, when it seems like your enemies are closing in for the kill, God is at work and he's refining you as gold. God uses hardship as a motivator, as a catalyst for making his people pure, precious, and sustainable, able to withstand and carry the weight. Hardship like catapults us. Every time I say the word catapult, I think of you, Don slingshots us. Hardship pushes us there. It gets us there quicker. (laughs) It pushes us there. We have no choice but to face it. And we can either cower and hide and isolate, pretend it's not there, or we can stand and say, okay, I'm here. I'm being called out. This is my time. This is my time of testing. It's personal. And I'm going to be able to bear this weight. I'm going to be able to carry this load. I'm going to be able to carry this burden because I know at the end, God is purifying me. God is, is looking down at the cracks and seeing what's in there that needs to be removed. So tonight, it, I just want to, I want to I pray for you and encourage you through this word. This is, a, this, trust me, I know it's, it doesn't seem like, but this, there, this is a word of encouragement. God is saying, this is enough. Your time is done. You're not going to grieve anymore. This is a season that you're going through. It's not always going to be hard. It's not always going to be this painful. It's not always going to be this difficult. You're not going to be at a level 10 pain this whole time. It's enough. He says, you thought you might have destroyed my people, but you haven't. Instead, I'm preparing them. The pastor shared, my son, my son works out hard. He comes home so late at night sometimes, and he wakes up really early. And I see him, and, and it's just an image of me, for me of a believer. He's working so hard. And sometimes the payoff, it doesn't seem very big. Sometimes we don't see the reward. Now, he doesn't have thousands of fans, you know, cheering him. Sometimes it's just me and his dad. But he's doing it. He's preparing his body. He's becoming a man. He's becoming that that that's that strong man that God has has is going to make him in into. And so these hardships, these difficult seasons, these long days, they're preparing you. They're preparing you for that battle. They're preparing you and making you strong warriors. They're preparing you and making you strong people of God that are able to bear this weight. That when it comes, you say, oh, I've been doing this already. I know what that 
looks like. I know what that feels like. I could do this. I could run with this. I've seen that opponent, and he doesn't scare me anymore. God told me that was going to take place. God showed me, and I'm not shaking anymore. I'm not in fear anymore because God was preparing me. God had to take me from a place that was comfortable. God had to take me from a place that was secure. And say it now, and now, stamp it. You know, I, I, I like underdogs. I know me and my husband are like that. We always shoot for root for the underdogs when we're watching, because I know how hard it takes for them to be out there. I see those little guys that have heart and they're fighting and they're wrestling or doing whatever. And I, I want them to, I don't know them. I just want them to win. I think God likes the underdogs too. I think he chose a tiny little small nation and he says, I'm going to show my glory. I'm going to show how big I am. Because they're not going to take glory. I'm going to receive the glory. God likes to show off his invincibility. And Winston Churchill said, it says, uh, I was not the lion. If you know who Winston Churchill is, I was not the lion, but it fell to me to give the lion's roar. I didn't feel like the lion. I didn't feel strong and courageous, but it fell to me. I was the one that had to give the lion's roar. I was the one that had to be strong. I was the one that had to be brave and courageous during this time. And God has given each one of you that. Maybe you don't feel like that strong lion or lioness, but you are going to give that roar. Don't let the enemy shut you up. Don't let the enemy keep you quiet. Don't let the enemy say that you can't. God is calling you out. Sorry, last scripture. I have to read this one. First Corinthians, one of my favorites. 26-3 says, For seeing, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh, not many are mighty, not many are noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom for God and righteous and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the Lord it is because of him I don't have my PhD I don't even have my master's degree but you know what my degree my glory is in Jesus Christ my our glory everything that we have is because of the Lord I feel sometimes foolish. I do. Sometimes I feel like, who's going to listen to me? Who's going to hear what I have to say? But you know what? I have to trust that God is doing something in me, through me. And then you know what? I can point back to him. I've 
gone, having gone through all of this in vain, I've gone through it for a purpose so that God would receive the glory. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you to turn off the lights in the back, please. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing, Father. I feel like, Father, you're setting up an opportunity, Father God, to show yourself invincible, to show yourself mighty, Father God, so that we can point back to you, Father God. Father, you're setting the scene, Father God, in the city of Anaheim, Father God. You're setting the scene in the United States, Father God, to show, Father God, who you are, Lord Jesus. You're allowing us to go through things, Father God, in our lives, Father God, to see where we're made of. I pray right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father God, for those that are weak, Father God, that those that are tired right now, Lord God, those that are hurting, Father God, those that are going through that labor, Father God, those that are going through that pain right now, Father God, those that don't see the end, Father God, that those that only see, Father God, where they're in, they're in that delivering room right now, Lord God, and they don't see that that promise coming. They don't see that hope, Father God. They don't see the, the long term, Lord God. They only see right now, Lord Jesus. I pray for them right now, Lord God. Strengthen, Father God, the feeble knees, Father God. Strengthen those weary hands, Father God. Strengthen those that are tired in places, Father God, and are at that verge to give up, Father God. Are so willing, Father God, to stay quiet, to stay isolated, Father God, to stay sad and depressed, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name right now, Father God. Strengthen, 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 Father, in Jesus' name. Father God, begin to do a work in this church, Father God. Father God, begin to do a work, Father God, among your women, among your men, Father God, in Jesus' name. Father God, restore, Father God, that voice, Father God. Restore that roar, restore that courage, Father God. In Jesus' name right now, begin to cry out to the Lord. Begin to open up your mouth and ask the Lord. You know what? Sometimes we sit there quiet. We allow the enemy to keep our mouths shut. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Father God, Father, that the women and the men, Father God, would begin to arise, Father God, that they would get on their feet again, Lord God. That they would feel that courage, Lord, in Jesus' name that they can do everything, Father God, that nothing will be impossible for them. Father God, nothing can come up against them, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Father God, begin to expose, Father God, those areas in our heart and in our lives, Father, those areas of unforgiveness, Father God, those areas of distance, Father God, those walls, Father God, that we have allowed, Father, in our lives to be put up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Begin to pray, church. Begin to pray, church. Holy Spirit, begin to move, Father, in this body. Father God, begin to restore, Father God, the warrior, Father God. Begin to restore, Father God, the position, Father God. Begin to restore, Father God, what you have placed, Father God, in their heart, Father God. Let them be bold, Father God. Let them have courage, Father God. Let them not be timid anymore, Father God. Let them not be resentful anymore, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, for those that are grieving, those that are lost, Father God, those that feel that they have lost, Father God. That they have lost loved ones, that they've lost their, their, their kids, Father God, maybe not to death, but Father God, to drugs, maybe to alcohol, Father God. 
maybe just to not believing in you, Jesus. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that they would be able to bear that weight, Father God, that they would have the courage, Father God, to be strengthened again in you, Lord God.